Hey, Ashley, I put the butter out to soften for the cupcakes. Are we ready for the trick-or-treaters? Yeah, I'm just putting the finishing touches on my makeup, but I should be ready in a minute. Oh, hey, nice gatekeeper Claire from Mystic Force. Thank you. I I don't know why your dress is Diego from Dora the Explorer, but it's a cute costume. I, um, I'm uh, actually Andrew Hartford from Operation Overdrive. You know, the last toku we covered on the show with the real shit dad. Oh, I, I guess I can kind of see that now, yeah. Thought it would be appropriate because we're covering Psycho Gorman, which also has a shit dad. No, that makes sense. Oh, do we have candy for the trick-or-treaters? Sadly, I was only able to get one bag, but at least it was a variety chocolate bar bag. Well, dang, what if we run out? Actually, you know what? I've read a spell for this. I think I can make a bowl that doesn't run out. Uh, remember the last time you cast a spell? I mean, yeah, but I've been practicing since then. I'm certain I won't accidentally summon Kip again. Or Nanjor. Or God, Furbus. Okay then, uh, go get him, tiger! Thanks for believing in me, mediocre toku dad. Okay. Prefior, chocolate, larigo! Oh hey, it worked! That sounds like a problem, champ. You really are in dad mode tonight. Damn it, I must have conflated something that accidentally raised Larigo from the dead. Uh, and I've read the Wikipedia summary for Pet Cemetery, so I know that's a bad idea. I think I can fix it, though. Supre! <laughs> Shit, I think he got away. Well, that's a problem. I'm the heckin' best, yeah, 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 Ashley. And I'm one of many hunky boys, Sid. And this is Rangers Playing, where Sid, lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes me, Ashley, Power Rangers sophomore, through the world of Power Rangers. But for this ooky spooky Halloween, we're taking a look at the most terrifying creature in the entire galaxy. And I don't mean the zombie Larigo that's currently running around our house, but the titular monster of the 2020 film Psycho Goreman. Oh shit, that sounds rad. What is Psycho Gorman about anyway? Well, let me tell you. In the deepest reaches of our galaxy, a great and terrible creature with no name rose up from servitude to rage an unholy war against his oppressors known as the Templars, and in turn, destroy every living being in the galaxy to sate his rage. After eons of death and bloodshed, he is sealed away by the Templars in an attempt to save the galaxy from his brand of terror. Little did they know that he would be awakened and controlled by a creature even more frightening. A bossy preteen girl named Mimi from the planet Earth, now with the new name of Psycho Goreman. He tries to release her control and start his reign of terror anew as the Templars race to Earth to defeat him once and for all. Okay, so let's get into... Who could that be? 
Trick or treat. Oh, hey, it's friend of the podcast and letterbox reviewer extraordinaire, Sam. How's it going? It's going uh, pretty great. So happy to see you. Likewise. Yeah. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, Sam, what's your costume? Really? You're kidding me, right? Oh, it's You're... Dana. It, no, Sid, the other android gender. Oh, that's right. There are two android genders. Cutie honey. Duh. You did a podcast on it, remember? Oh, yeah, it's we sweet. did. We did two. We did two. Yeah, that is, that is definitely cutie honey. And who are you supposed to be? Like, Brendan Fraser? You know, from The Mummy? Oh, wait, that's actually much cooler than who I'm supposed to be. <laughs> what are you supposed to be, then? I'm supposed to be Andrew Hartford from uh, Operation Overdrive, the really bad dad from that season. The who and the what now? Don't worry about it. Don't worry I'm about not it. I'm going it, to. It sucks. Uh... <laughs> so, I mean, speaking of bad toku dad, so we're actually, um, I guess, along with hosting this party, we're also reviewing uh, Psycho Goreman, which uh, oh. I assume you know something about that movie. Yeah, of course I do. Psycho Gorman is great. I love PG. God. It's like, he's hip, he's now, he's happening, or whatever Mimi says. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you want to talk about Psycho Gorman with us? Well, of course, yeah. I'd love to. Are you sure that's not the reason why you invited me to this killer party in the first place? I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you can eat candy. I mean, yes, you can also eat candy and go pet some cats. Oh, really? We're yes. making cupcakes, you know? And don't what? don't worry about the zombie upstairs. It's fine. What? Don't, don't worry about, about it. it. Don't worry don't about, worry about, about it. Don't worry about what it. What do you mean? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about huh? it. There's nothing, huh? <laughs> there's, there's, there's completely nothing except this DVD slash Blu-ray of Psycho Goreman. Upstairs. That's the zombie. It's a it's a Blu-ray slash DVD. I think you guys are hiding something. I mean, why would we do that? Why would you mention it otherwise? And pretend like you're not. Uh, so, anyway. Psycho Gorman. Yeah, let's um, let's that weird, uh, almost kid-like movie. You know, it, it feels like something like the like the more horror kids would be into. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember when uh, they first started talking about it. You know, the trailer came out and there were rumblings on the internet. It just, it reminded me of something that you could just come home from school and turn on the TV and see, except it's way more violent and gory. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, yeah, it does. Like, that's what I said about it. It just felt like a Saturday morning kids cartoon, but like very, uh, not very Saturday morning friendly, to put it lightly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And you could just tell, like, the, the Power Rangers vibes are there. And I was almost disappointed that it wasn't an entire series. Because I could wa- I would watch an entire series of Psycho Gorman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it. It, oh, it was, for sure. <laughs> for sure. It'd be great. Um, you know, why Why they have that comic coming out, I think, soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kickstarter for that. If y'all didn't back it yet, you should. Oh, we totally did. Yeah, we backed <laughs> it. It was great. Yeah, great. <laughs> so so you're kind of a, a big, like, horror movie buff, if if I remember correctly. Uh, unlike yeah. I remember your costume. And uh, so uh, what can you, do you know anything about kind of the behind the scenes of Psycho Gorman or anything you can let us in on? I mean, I don't know any ancient secrets or anything like that, but I did uh, manage to come across a few little nuggets in my travels that might Ooh. be useful. Ooh, <laughs> you know. us. 
Yes. <laughs> well, for starters, it's actually not the first film uh, by the writer and director that I saw. Um, a couple of years back, uh, there is a creature feature called The Void that came out that was absolutely incredible if you enjoy like Lovecraftian horror. Um, it was written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. Um, really fantastic practical effects. That's like one of his staples. Um, and it was just, it was really interesting. Like, I really enjoyed it. I didn't know anything about it going in. Um, and then when Psycho Gorman started making the rounds, I was like, oh, it's from the same guy. It should be great. And then that trailer definitely, you know, <laughs> definitely sold it. So it's in the line from the, from the movie, uh, when Mimi goes, there's a new god in town and it's Psycho Gorman. You better <laughs> watch it, buddy. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry, but if, like, you're not sold on that however long it was, what, like, a minute and a half, two minutes, then then this isn't a movie for you. <laughs> no, I, I was, like, completely blind because I don't think I saw any of the trailers, so, like... Oh, wow, I, that must have been a huge, like, delight, you know? <laughs> I, I think I just told you it's like it's it's basically a tokusatsu and it's kind of horror. I think it's the only things I led you in on. Yeah, and you yeah. told me it was kind of like Evil Dead Two, which is just like okay, because like I, I I'm sometimes a little horror adverse, but I love the Evil Dead movies, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Was, like that will sell me. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it's really good humor and everything, so. And it's just and it's just so quaint too because you can tell that it's somebody's passion project, you know. Oh, because yeah. like what what studio would make something like this? And that's that's actually another little nugget. Um, this was this took a long time to develop and and produce because um, normally Kostansky is a visual effects guy. Like he does makeup and and effects and things like that for a lot of like big budget movies, some TV stuff. And so he was taking the funds from his quote-unquote day job to help fund his fashion project on the side, PG. So that's why it took so long. And you can just tell, like, everybody put a lot of TLC into it, like, based on that finished product. Because, product, because like, I don't know about you, but some of the scenes, like, the flashback sequences and stuff, they're so ridiculously well done. And then oh, yeah. just take a look at all the, um, all the other creatures, like, all those suits. They're oh, ridiculous. Sure. Oh, They're no. so awesome. They're so... It's one of the things that uh, kind of bugs me, I guess, about today's movies is... Um, and a lot of it is because they're trying to avoid unions. Uh, oh, is uh, practical, practical effects seem to have, like... People just want to not do practical effects anymore. Even though it's like, they can look so good. And these look so good and so well lived in. Oh, yeah. yeah and... Like, as an example, like, I have a, a another, like, very good example of studios or just people in general not wanting to use practical effects anymore. When uh, the Thing prequel came out in 2011, there was an entire cut of that film with nothing but practical effects in it. The studio hated it. And then they decided to waste more money by replacing all of those visual effects that were done the practical way with ugly CG. I remember that because yeah, that movie was ugly. It uh, was. It was a great movie. It was a great movie. I enjoyed it, but the part that's supposed to shine through are the creature effects, and they just shot themselves in the foot with it yeah. by by switching and switching it over to the CG and covering everything up, and that was just oh. But yeah, I think the uh, the version with the practical effects or at least clips of it can be found on youtube or someplace online so if you want to see what could have been 
Go for it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, just right. remembering, I'm just remembering Werner Herzog on the set of The Mandalorian calling, telling John Favreau if he used CG instead of the the Baby Yoda puppet that he was a coward. Yeah. Um, because yeah. like they were they were setting up to do shots for CG just in case because I don't think Disney had approved either the puppet or the CG yet. And like, oh. just imagine Werner Herzog in his Werner Herzog voice calling you a coward for choosing like <laughs> if you chose CG over or just that adorable as fuck puppet because he wants to see the baby. He wants yes. to see the baby. <laughs> I, know, I know my Werner Herzog sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I cannot fix it. <laughs> what, if, what if Arnold wanted to see the baby? <laughs> I would like to see the baby. <laughs> It's not a tumor. You <laughs> get to the trouble. <laughs> there is no bathroom. <laughs> oh my god. Uh speaking of which, Psycho Gourmet really does feels like it's something from the eighties, doesn't it? Oh, for oh, sure. 100%. <laughs> like you have the I... shitty kid, you have like kind of the somewhat touching family subplot. <laughs> the touching family subplot? No. So- I mean, it has, it seems like it's set up to be like the, the t- you know, super touching, but then like you actually deal with the family and they all suck. Except well, Luke, I mean, Luke's just poor, Luke's life is just suffering. Oh boy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you do bring up a good point though, because like when you, when you go into the movie, right, you yeah. just expect certain things. You expect a cheesy after school special, like family drama type thing. You expect the kids to act a certain way, but then those expectations are turned entirely on their heads because Mimi is an absolute menace yeah. and the parents are just absolute train wrecks. <laughs> so yeah, you go in expecting one thing because you're just so used to seeing it in almost every other piece of media. And then it's like, ha, we fooled you because next thing you know, Mimi is just like out of control, mad with power. And you're just like, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm cool with this or not. Yeah, <laughs> it's like- crazy. Yeah, it's like it's like one of those like because there was definitely a subsection of like eighties films where like I think it was after the success of E. T. where like you'd have these films about a kid and his family because most of the time it was a boy and his family meeting some sort of like mythical creature. Like Harry you know, like Henderson. Harry and Henderson. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like that's like kind of the vibe of Psycho Gorman, except you know, you like you have a family that where the parents on a verge of divorce and you have a child like like the daughter is completely out of control and the son is just like the only one who has any semblance of sense yeah and then i was going to up the archduke of nightmares in their backyard yeah, yeah I, you know i kind of well, playing crazy ball okay the, the, i guess because uh lord of flies was in the news recently i was thinking about why uh william golding wrote lord of the flies and it was literally because he's like no child it was in response to another book and it was like, no child would actually act like that on an island. And it's just like, it, it literally, Lord of Flies, it's just about how certain chi- children are raised to be rat bastards, I think is what somebody yeah. called it. Yeah, I believe it. Like, I like, believe be- it. That rat bastard is Mimi. Like, thinking about it, it's like, you think, you know, me, like, Mimi is supposed to be, like, this caring, kind child. And she's like, no, I have a psychotic war machine. As, part- as my puppet, and I'm going to use him as such. <laughs> it just reminds me of the one part near the end where, like, they're getting ready to go into that final battle, and, like, she totally, like, she tells off a crucifix. Oh, yeah, and she <laughs> prints it over her knee. 
You're asking Jesus which sunglasses she should wear to the final battle. Yeah, you know, yeah. She, and then she like mounts off to it, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, she is yeah, oh my god, absolutely out of control." And Psycho Corbett, he learned the the lesson of love, the he truly died. most deadly thing in the galaxy. <laughs> Like, even the ending has that vibe of, like, Harry and the Hendersons, where they're saying the emotional goodbye to the creature that they've made friends with the entire time. Except now he's just going on a killing spree throughout town. Yeah, he's gonna kill everyone on the planet, except for them. Possibly some hunky boys. (gasps) Not my hunky boys! Yeah. He saves, like, one K-pop band. Yeah. (laughs) TXT? He better save TXT. (laughs) I sure not BTS. Yeah, <laughs> maybe and hyphen, but no, 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 definitely TXT. I think my bias is showing <laughs> a little. I'm like, <laughs> I, I have not kept up with K-pop the way you have, so I'm just like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a recent uh, rabbit hole that I've fallen into because I really wasn't on the scene for a while, but now uh, stand TXT. That's all I have to say. Those are the hunkiest boys. Sam, we're so happy that you showed up. Thank you so much for coming and bye. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me once again. I yeah. can't wait to get my party on and have lots of candy. And check out the not zombie that's upstairs that you mentioned earlier. I, we would say avoid that, but you know, well, you know, just keep an eye out if you see something that looks like it's out of place. Oh, yeah. also, oh, um, that's not threatening at all. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah. Um, also, where can our listeners find you if they want to like check you out after the podcast? The usual places. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. My username is Gule. I will spell that out just because it is G H O U L E H H H. And also, if you want to check me out on Letterbox which I know you want to. Um, my username there is Ghetto-Nomicon. Excellent. Yes, follow Sam on Letterboxd. She is super hilarious. And you want all my takes. Yes, really all the takes. <laughs> <laughs> just on Psycho Goreman, but all of it. <laughs> all, right. all right. Yeah, go have fun. Go have fun. All right, so... I'm not going upstairs. I'm not going upstairs. Yeah, <laughs> don't. It's fine. Don't worry about it. All right. It. All right, I gotcha. Figure it out. I gotcha. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So you're kind of wondering, like, why? Why is Ranger Splane going over Psycho Gorman? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Uh, one, it's our podcast, so fuck off. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the other uh, is this is this is definitely I would feel like in the Ameritoku cam. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. Definitely an original Ameritoku, much like, you know, what we covered earlier with Las Luchadoras, instead of just, like, how Saban did Ameritoku, which is slap Sentai footage on something. Um, and uh, we kind of, it, it falls on a uh, on the Tokusatsu alignment chart uh, made, made by uh, Twitter user uh, Toku underscore Gami. Uh, it's, it's under, like, thema- uh, thematic neutral and SFX purist. Um yeah, and uh, what? Yeah, Tokusatsu just basically just just what is really it's just kind of what Japan calls a lot of like B movie type sci fi and fantasy because uh-huh. it really just it's the name for special effects over there. Yeah, so it's like it's kind of how we just loop anything that has like a science fiction 
uh, fantasy uh, vibe into genre fiction or genre television. Um, yeah. And then, like, you have all your specific subcategories within that. Uh, even yeah. though it's technically you could say drama, like drama TV, high drama TV that is, like, often, you know, is fucking Emmy bait or whatever. You could say that's also genre television because drama is a genre. But, like, no, it's like, it's, it's like tokusatsu is to, I guess you'd say tokusatsu in that case is to Japan as genre television is to the U.S. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much like that, uh, or or you know B movies uh-huh. like it, they were back in the day. It's it's like let me look up what what the actual like breakdown of the word tokusatsu means. Right. Uh, it just means yeah, it's special filming. It goes from the name like special effects, and it's just anything that uses heavy amounts of special effects. And uh, yeah, Psycho Gorman kind of goes into kind of the thematic on that, like neutral because it's like. Not really about a transforming hero or anything. No. But, uh... <laughs> but, and it's uh, definitely not it's, about just... Well, it's kind of about justice, but not in the way you'd expect it to be. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. But definitely, like, it's it's definitely, like, special effects heavy, and it's a definite callback, and uh, something we'll go over later, it's a definite callback to uh, stuff we watched as a kid that was tokusatsu, either influenced or taken from tokusatsu shows from Japan. Oh, for real. Um, You know, especially, like, I I think the fact that I like that, like, that makes it very tokusatsu to me is the fact that, like, so much of it is done on a shoestring budget with, like, like, all of the practical effects that they made themselves. Yeah. Like, no, it's, I think that way it is, like, perfectly tokusatsu. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just it's a big love letter to just tokusatsu in general, whether it's uh, Japan where tokusatsu comes from, or just you know America's version of it. Even if it it, it came from like weird weird people just wanting to sell a kids show. Right. Another thing we kind of found interesting about this is that it's got a lot of um, family sitcom dynamics that it's kind of playing with. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, what if Mass Rider was actually, you know, not saccharin? Yeah, uh, that's probably what I was thinking of the entire time. It's because, like, you know, you basically have, you know, this being from outer space that ends up in the lives of a family of four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! It's, it's I can't even believe I made the connection to this. Right. I was just going like, yeah, the family sitcom thing, and it's like Mass Rider. <laughs> Yeah, because it's like you have the family of four, and all of a sudden they are joined by this, like, great, powerful being from space, and, like, have to kind of join him in his, like, fight against, like, you know, the evil beings from outer space, except, you know, in this case, the, uh, the creature from outer space is also evil. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's like, what if Dax was a terrifying, power-hungry monster? Also, like, like, Dax's whole, like, you know, he was also, like, from a... Uh, uh, beans that were being oppressed too. Yeah, that's oh man. I I don't know if the production crew watched uh Master Writer before making this, but there are definitely some similarities now. Yeah, like really looking at it, like oh my god, this is like the bastardization of Master Writer, but in like the best way possible. Right. <laughs> There's no Furbus, but I feel like Psycho Gorman's just unsettling look about him. 
it just makes up for Furbus. They just fuse Furbus and Dax together. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, what if, like, Masked Rider, but, you know, Molly was, like, sociopathic. Right. And, like, you know, Albie was not a precocious scamp. Or, like, Hal, Hal actually just was worthless instead of, like, a really good handyman and just doughty dad. Right. Oh, my gosh. Wow, I can't, I love how we're just like, because we were, when we were writing this episode out, we we're just like, you were just kind of, we were just kind of noticing like, oh yeah, they kind of like play on like tropes, mainly at sitcom, and now we're like, oh my god, this is just bastardized Master Rider. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, Master Rider was also playing with the family sitcom tropes in a tokusatsu, just didn't do it very well. <laughs> no, it was definitely very saccharine and, and, and weird. Yeah. Even though I still love Dax and his love of quoting commercials to c- communicate to people. Right. Which I don't think PG ever does that, but like, I don't know, he does get into the hunky boys and those magazines. Alright, so let's talk about our characters, which we'll start with... Oh, I guess we got another guest coming in. Trick or treat! Oh! It's Lan Pitts, comic writer of Beast Heart Strikers and other things. Welcome to our home. Uh, what's your costume? Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I thought it was pretty obvious with like, you know, me being big and purple and uh, the black cape and everything. I, I, I'm i the Grimace Reaper. Oh, I, oh. nice. That's, that's super clever. <laughs> that is. Uh, yeah, I, I thought the Fry Scythe would have given it away, but that's on me. So I, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> We're having kind no. of a crazy night around here, so, uh, you know, that's on me. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. I love your Turd Ferguson costume. It is A++. Jesus, God. And such so timely, too. Uh, yeah, totally. I'm totally not Andrew Hartford. <laughs> no, why would you be? Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> ah! Oh, look, oh. there's the candy. Ah, so, uh, Lan, uh, we're actually kind of in the middle of also this party. We're also kind of uh, taking a look at Psycho Goreman. I'm sure you're very familiar with that. Yeah, too familiar, you might say. Right. Too familiar. Like, almost on a biblical level of familiarity. Oh, yeah, like, uh, weren't you just recently a part of the Kickstarter for that comic anthology related to it? Oh my god, yes. It, it feels like it's been over for months now. Because uh, we we were talking about that. We tried to get it together around like, god, March or April? Mm-hmm. And so everything finally came together and thought it was going to be out, you know, try to get together over the summer and then we just couldn't get it together. So uh, things kept on piling up and piling up and then we were like, what if we just finish it up around Halloween and it's it's goes from there and yeah so it's all wrapped up and ready to go well congratulations on that um so uh if you can tell us what is like who's the focus of your story my uh the focus of my story is Witchmaster. i kind of i gravitated to her for obvious reasons her being basically a power ranger villain like she's from the planet like so we got all the little um I guess, behind the scenes histories of people. So she's actually from the planet Tokusatsu. Oh my god, oh, so cool! Like literally Tokusatsu. Oh wow. Yeah. That, that's literally the planet name. So yeah, she's she's from another faraway galaxy, uh, but yeah, she's basically a, a Power Ranger villain, and uh, I just love her stupid 
uh, stupid, stupid face. So basically my story is that I'm kind of having fun because I wanted to treat it like a Japanese horror movie. So I went, if you've ever seen the, the Japanese, 1970s Japanese uh, movie House or oh. Ha- oh. or Hasu. Uh, ha- Hasu, yes, we love Hasu. That is a freaky cool movie. That's basically what my story is. It's her uh, setting these little witch houses and people check into them thinking they're nice, you know, air- space Airbnbs. And they're not. And they feed off their energy and they uh, kill their victims there. And she feeds off the violence and carnage and um, and all of that stuff there. So it's, we're, you know, Serge and I definitely drew a lot of visuals of weird Japanese monsters and not just kaiju, but actual like Japanese monsters. So there's a lot of weird, creepy Tinga, uh, Tinga stuff and uh that's the other thing I wanted to pull from visually. It's really weird, but I mean, I I thought it was fun. Uh, director and writer of Gorman really liked it. Uh, Steve's great. And I, I think I had like one note from it, actually. And I was already going to do what he wanted. It was just me writing shorthand in that one scene. So, uh, yeah, it's it's wild and violent. So I, it's probably the craziest thing I've ever written. Yeah, it sounds absolutely insane, and like yeah. I want I want to read that. <laughs> oh no, yeah, you you completely sold me. I, I want to read this. Good, you should. Did you pledge to it? Oh heck yeah, I backed the Kickstarter already. Yeah, same here. Well, we have tears for all backers. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess so. You talked about like Witchmaster in the story. I guess like you know she was the one that kind of most appealed to you in that regard. Yeah, I just thought she had a really cool design. And then when they sent out sort of information on, like, uh, the background for everyone from, like, um, oh, God, uh, Tube Man and what was the other one? Dark Scream, I think mm-hmm. his name is. Oh. Uh, so we we got, like, the low, you know, the the backstory for all the characters uh, from the from the um, Paladin's Obsidian to the uh, the good guys. Can't remember their names right now. Um, good. <laughs> But yeah, we and it's the thing is it's been done for like months. So I'm already on to my next big thing, and uh, it's just wild to think that you see something like this and it sort of manifests itself. Like, okay, well, if, if these are ever comics, we have to be the ones to make them. So Andy Belanger brought uh, brought me in on the team for Lethal Comics and put together a pitch packet of what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do it, and. Mm-hmm. It was, we sold them and it did great. Uh, so, I mean, I, I still can't believe we were doing because everyone, when the movie dropped on uh, Shudder or it came on Shudder first, yeah, Shutter. Before it just Shutter. Went on yeah. Prime. yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I saw several mentions in the timeline about, oh man, you, have you seen this? You have to go. And I, and I watched it. And I was like, okay, well, finally, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it. And like two minutes in, this movie tells you what it is exactly. Oh, that, oh yeah. those are my those are my favorite movies. Those are my favorite movies that let you know what they're all about. First and foremost, it's sort of like um, Pacific Rim and how that's whole setup. Yeah, Pacific Rim lets you know what it's all about in like thirty seconds. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's it's like an economic <laughs> storytelling, if you will. Yeah, it's right. Like... Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those things that it it's. So it's sort of like the malignant discourse. People who like it, if people don't think it's horror, 
or people th think it's just too batshit insane. M Malignant is n another one of those movies that lets you know, no, 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 we're 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 going to get weird, and that's on you if you don't like it. But we're telling you right here, right now, we're going to get weird. And like by minute four of Malignant, you're like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. It's a Sam Raimi tribute. It's uh, it's it's almost like Darkman. It's it's the absurdity of Darkman in a horror movie. And so Goreman, kind of like the canon films of old, canon studio films of old, it it lets you know what it's all about and kind of doesn't stop telling you right throughout the yeah. entire movie there's reminders like oh no no we're this is what we're this is what we're into so uh, yeah like yeah definitely from tip to top it is like it is very upfront about that like I mean, if a movie's gonna tell you that it starts on the planet gygax like i think yeah. that's definitely yeah. tell of what you're gonna expect and then it yeah. ends with a fucking rap explaining the entire film you just watched <laughs> you love it you absolutely love it and then, like, like the first scene you do see of it, like, it's it's very obvious they're playing something that's basically Calvin Ball. And then they you you hear the rhythmic guitar that sounds very rhythmically like the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger theme. You're like, oh no, I know what I'm in for. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Check it's off Switcheroo. <laughs> yeah. Over the, you know, and just this absolute. I feel like horror needed a gay icon that's actually canonical gay right. icon yes <laughs> somehow you know babadook got adapted into the queer community just for shits and giggles i guess and that's fine but no 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 <laughs> he likes his hunky boys he's definitely all about to... those hunky right. boys <laughs> absolutely he lets you know that no i i'm into this and uh this is what i'm all about so yeah yeah that's that's it yeah and uh, because you mentioned um, uh, she was from the planet Tokusatsu going back to, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking on the character name. Witchmaster. Witchmaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When Miss Matt, you mentioned that, I'm like, oh, that's why she's speaking Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it just clicked with it. It's like, oh, that's why she's speaking Japanese. Yeah. Yep. I mean, just sort of accepted it within, like, the film because, okay, this it's been so upfront about what it is that, like, sure, yeah, one of, like, the the main, like... Of like uh, PG's like inner circle just randomly speaks Japanese. I accept this, okay, but yeah, okay, now, yeah, like... it's just like and then and then Mimi understands it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, she's the one who uh, you know summoned him, so yeah. I'm guessing they have that sort of bond there. But yeah, just I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, and that's the best thing. I, I wasn't asking questions. I don't care. Just yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> sure. I just I I miss movies that you know. I guess in the world where like people just kind of want your handhold. I'm like, no. I just sometimes want to be submersed in it. Maybe not to the extent of David Lynch's Dune, which I more of like, no. Dune's just heavy like that. There's so much that even trying to adapt it, I think, can be a crazy idea. But sometimes it's like, no. I just want to immerse myself in the world, and I I just want to kind of go on for the ride of it. Right. Like, Psycho Gorman just lets you go for the ride of just like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> it's you like, might yes. as well at that point. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yes, like, this one villain speaks Japanese and is also on a team with a robot man named Cassius 3000. And, yeah. like, the, lead, <laughs> the the appointed leader of the month is named Dark Scream. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sure. <laughs> He's absolutely great. Yeah, it's, 
It's just definitely one of those things I, I, I couldn't say no to. So when I wanted, you know, like we just, I don't know. It's just so, it's just so bizarre and definitely just one of those. It's become one of my, uh, like, anytime movies. Oh, just, okay, yeah. well, I needed, yeah, I needed this. And thank you for, thank you for being you. Uh, great. Love it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's. That that was it. Just I I it again. Just the weirdest shit I've ever I've ever been a part of, and uh, I, I'm glad people gravitated toward it, and uh, I'm into it. So I hope you are too. Yeah. yeah no. No. We were so great. into it, and like yeah, and like I gladly rewatched this before we like started like redoing the special because oftentimes like. Whenever we do something for the podcast, it's like we we sort of just end up watching it once. Usually, well, we're watching a whole series of Power Rangers. And I'm certainly not going to watch the Turbo movie for a second time. (laughs) No, 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 no. It's it's just um, who else was in there? Death Trapper. I have a Death Trapper shirt. Yeah, Death Trapper. Trapper. Yeah. Little like bucket. I just I can't. Yeah, Uh. it's so good. Um. Yeah, so uh, look, I, I was pulling up my notes. Uh, so, Witchmaster's official, like, quick bio that we got. The sinister sorcerer from Elder 5, located in the remote quadrant of the Tokusatsu system, bewitches her victims with her many eldritch eyes and black magic spellcraft. Said to be impervious while wielding her supernatural staff supports a shrunken head of her former master, the warlock, Jotak. I love it. I just, I love every bit of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, I had to find all, I had to find the exact, like, uh, exact sort of situations that I was working with for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They mentioned that the sorcerer thing, like, all the visuals, the sorcerer staff had to be very important. Obviously. Uh, Obviously. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, it's just, just wild shit out there. And I, I'm glad people just gravitated towards the movie. And I, we were able to just tell this weird shit, so... That's that's really all I can really uh, you know I've been able to say is just uh, Serge's art is great. Uh, I've seen a lot of people uh, a lot of people stuff being turned in, uh, so I just I'm excited for it to finally finally be in my hands. That's what I'm excited the most about. Yeah, that's legit, and I'm yeah. excited to read it. Well, Lan, thank you so much for coming. Um, you know if you want to continue, no, thank hang- you for inviting me. Yeah, I like yeah. it. If you want to continue hanging out, you know, we got plenty of candy, plenty of food. Um, if you see a zombie running around, uh, just give us a shout, um, <laughs> please. And, I will. Um, all right, cool. And, uh, you know, for our listeners, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter, uh, mainly. Uh, pitsed off, P-I-T-T-S-E-D underscore O-double-F. My Instagram's pretty boring. It's just my name and a lot of my cat pics. So if you're into cats, uh, come on by. All right, and uh, anything else you would want to plug regarding your comics or anything like that? Um, I write Beast Heart Strikers with uh, Joe Hunter. Uh, it's on first three issues around Comicsology. Check them out. Uh, I think I have like a few physical copies left that I just ended up selling from a uh, got back from Minnesota. But yeah, set me up. Let's talk comics. Let's talk Power Rangers. I'm always down. Pew pew pew. And Psycho Gorman will be out whenever it's out. <laughs> Uh, November. Okay, it legit. Should be, it should be it should be uh, sometime in November. 
All right. We'll okay. also inform our listeners when that comes out. But again, thank you for coming by, Land. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, well, getting some trick-or-treaters, but, uh, you know, if you want to talk about characters, why don't we start with PG himself, Psycho Goreman. Yeah, so our, uh, our hero of the, uh, of the film, I say hero very, uh, with heavy scare quotes, um, <laughs> also maybe gay? I don't know. He was really into hunky boys. It's true, um... He didn't know he was at first, and then and then at the end, he's like, "Not my hunky boys." Yeah, he's uh, I think he's slowly coming around to the fact that uh, hunky boys are his thing. Yes. Um. So yeah, Psycho Gorman, he's like, he's the definitely the case of a simple but compelling character. Uh, because like his motivation is pretty straightforward. He's a power hungry cosmic warlord who wants to destroy the entire galaxy. But he became that because he's fighting against religious oppression, and now he's also in the control of a very obnoxious preteen girl. Yeah. And and really about the only growth he truly does is, uh, he learns a lesson about love, kind of. <laughs> he just more falls in love with the family and, and, and everything, and he's like, okay, you guys are cool, and I've learned that lesson. I'm still gonna destroy shit. Yeah, it's the whole, Using like, this- I'll kill you last thing. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna use this new power of love to conquer the, the universe. <laughs> is what he said at the end. I'm just like, <laughs> okay! <laughs> you know, but it, it's, um... And I, I do think he is he's definitely a, a, a man of his word. I don't think he's, like, he did promise he wouldn't hurt them. Yeah, so they're just, you know, they're going to be vibing out in their little small Canadian town while he destroys, like, the rest of the planet Earth. Maybe save some hunky boys. True. Like, <laughs> I don't think he's going to want to go without those hunky boys. Yeah. But that, it, again, that's, but yeah, it's like, outside of that, there's no real growth with him. But it's just, that doesn't mean he's like a bad character. It just means that, you know, he's just simple and fun. Yeah, he's very focused on his mission of destroying the entire galaxy and trying to get himself out of the control of Mimi, but also going along with everything she says because, you know, he's, he has to. Uh, which yeah. kind of leads to some hilarious moments like uh, him playing the drums, him keeping Greg at, from eating cookies. Um, Blowing up some child because he went clothes shopping and the ca- child was like, nice Halloween costume! Yeah. It's like, he really killed a child and then turned a ch- another child into a brain. <laughs> Yeah, it's just all because Mimi was like, yeah, make, make that guy fall in love with me. And oops. Yeah, and then <laughs> one of the things that happens, it's like, at some point he's just wearing, like, an outfit that just looks like, you know, Dr. Alan Grant from <laughs> Jurassic Park. Right right when he was learning about Crazy Ball. Right. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, he's just, he just simply wants to get on his way to destroy the universe. Uh, again, like, I think the only growth is he kind of just accepts the family, because I know, like, he, he was using, like, at one point he evaded Luke's dreams just to try to get him to, like, turn on Mimi. Yeah. And steal the stone, but, uh... And kind of points I, out I, the fact that Mimi is, an, is a little, like, power-hungry warlord herself. <laughs> yeah. And just, also, but also that dream sequence was great, because after it was done, it's like, oh, well, now what? <laughs> well, we just gotta wait till you wake up. Oh. <laughs> it just kind of, like, you know, they're all awkwardly there while these, like, zombies yeah. are around. 
Oh my goodness. Um. So yeah, I think that's kind of all you know with with, with PG. Uh, so kind of, we talked a little bit about her, and she's kind of the meat of this film, so, uh, let's talk about Mimi, who is, uh, in very short terms, an emotional terrorist. Uh, I definitely put the note, this is, this is who Zordon meant when he wanted, like, a teenager of attitude, even though, like, if she's a teen, she's, like, 13. Yeah, she is a very, if she is a teenager, she is a very young teen, otherwise I think she has to be at least between, like, 9 and 12. Yeah. Um. I'm not 100% certain on that. They don't really state her age. We just know that she's, like, young enough to still be playing, like, a, you know, basically a Calvin Ball game in her backyard with her brother all the time. Yeah. And, like, you know, still doing things like having a band or, you know, doing hours of baking and all that fun stuff. Or, and also, like, she, she, but she's definitely old enough to grab, like, a preteen girl magazine that has hunky boys in it. Yeah. So old enough to be, in, starting to be interested in boys, but, like, not, yeah, not old enough to really, like, be aloof about, like, hanging out with her, her, her brother. Yeah. And also, she does have, like, a, uh, like, a crush on, like, her brother's friend, Alistair. Yeah. Who's just like, who the fuck are you? You're kind of scaring me. Yeah. So. Uh, go on. Yeah, so something interesting kind of about Mimi that, um, that we've noticed is that she's kind of the reverse of, like, your typical sister character that would kind of be in, like, these family films, or, like, any of these family action films. Um, cause typically in those, in those movies, the sister would kind of be like tagging along and kind of being kind of naggy, or if she was like the older sister, she would just kind of be very disinterested in everything that's going on. But like, no, Mimi is like the main plot driver of this movie. Like, yeah, I also want to add in like older sisters tend to like take the secondary motherly role in a lot of stuff. Right. I'm like, and she's, she's not very like, or just sisters in general. And she's not very loving either. Like, she's the main central plot. Like, she's she's who this entire thing revolves around to. She's mean as fuck. Yeah. Like, she was, a, she was about to, like, she literally, like, made Luke dig a hole in, like, his and their backyard so he could bury himself in it. Yeah, and, like, Luke's just kind of like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Luke's like Cody. Yeah. <laughs> That was an insult to Luke. Yeah, it's like, don't compare, like, you know, Luke's fine. Don't compare him to Cody Rhodes. <laughs> oh my god. We watch AEW, don't slag on us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she's, like you said, she's an emotional terrorist. Like, the only thing she really kind of grows in this film is just kind of, like, actually realizing, like, yeah, you treat Luke kind of poorly. So maybe you should you be nicer to your brother? But she she begrudgingly kind of does, uh, but even still, like no, she she's very much like an like I want to say how kids are at that age, pr- particularly ones that are like you know things are easygoing. Right. Her family definitely has like the vibe of like a normal suburban family. Like they don't have money troubles, you know. So it's like she she definitely probably has grown up pretty pretty like not dealing with a lot and and everything in terms of like stuff that can traumatize you as a kid right with the world and so she just kind of like uh, yeah just just like 
weirdly, like, a mix between, like, weirdly spoiled, but also, like, still trying to fit, like, that whole thing with kids of where they, they have to figure out that the world doesn't revolve around them yet. Yeah, and she has not quite figured that out, and, like, even by the end of the film, I don't think she's fully figured that out. <laughs> oh, no. I don't think she ever will. Yeah, she, she, she is, she's, uh... She's, yeah, Mimi's gonna cause some problems in her her later life, and I don't even want to oh, begin yeah. to think about what kind of problems those are gonna be. <laughs> Mimi sounds like she's gonna become, like, a CEO of a place and, like, girl and be a girl boss. Right. Like, the Stephanie McMahon type. <laughs> But, like, you mix her with Vince McMahon. Oh, God. Like. So, like, so, so, like the le- So, like, both, like, how Stephanie portrays herself and just Vince. Yeah, so, uh, Mimi World Wrestling coming in 2023. Or, no. <laughs> 2033, maybe. I don't know. She could be, like, a, a young sort of, like, startup CEO type. I mean, she could probably, uh... She could probably be a little carny. Yeah. And, like, uh, swindle some wrestlers for a hot dog and a handshake. Yeah. So, yeah, cause if, you, if you needed one scene in this film to kind of sum up Mimi, it's the fact that there is literally a scene where she prays to Jesus to ask what, uh, which pair of shades she should wear for the final battle. Yeah. She's not like, Jesus, help us out. Like, no, which one of these should I wear, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> And, and then, like, this sort of, like, I do love this, because it's, like, normally when they have, like, films, I guess, with, like, children getting an alien because of, like, E.T. and stuff, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you know, they, they become friends, and it's, it's, it's all cutesy, and it's like, no, like, she has a bloodthirsty alien in her control, so she's gonna do weird fucking shit, like, hurt cops and play Calvin Ball. Either- I'm really sorry, Crazy Ball, because it, it, it really is Calvin Ball when you look at it. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's actually how like a child would act. If she had a bloodthirst like she had a bloodthirsty alien. It's you know not like friendship or anything like ET or something, right? Like not like using yeah, absolutely using him for her own advantage. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess let's talk about Luke next. Uh, also referred to as Boy by Psycho Gorman <laughs> or her brother. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, he's, it's kind of funny, like, when we talked about how Mimi's kind of that reverse of the sister trope, he's reverse of the brother trope, like, the movie's not really centered around him in a way, he's very kind, uh, he's very put upon, he's definitely, like, the punching bag and tag-along character of this, of the story. It's like, yeah, cause, like, where me, like, you could say that, like, his life was suffering when, like, Psycho Gorman came into it, but, like, it seems like his life has been suffering for a while because Mimi is his older sister. Or Mimi is his sister. We don't really know if he's older or she's older, but like they they do seem pretty close in age at least. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. like Mimi is his sister, and he has to live with her every day. <laughs> yeah, just they they communicate. I think through Morse code sometimes. Yeah, because the whole they- thing that they do at the beginning of the movie, and then at the end when she apologizes to him because she doesn't want to say it out loud. Yeah, and it's just, uh, you know, you know, it's like, he, he, like, 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 um, when they, how they find Psycho Gorman is just through, like, or at least the gem to summon him, really, it's just kind of like, you know, like, like I said earlier, like, he's digging his own grave because he lost at Crazy Ball. Right. And she's, like, lording over him watching it, and like, you're digging this hole to bury yourself, and it just sounds like. Really, it, like, Mimi will just have her way. 
and win at things, and he's just kind of, you know, pathetic loser brother. Yeah, because even, like, the whole, like, um, like, what is it they call it when, like, uh, at the end of the game, or, like, you have the reverse? Oh, so, what happened, uh, is if the balls hit at this, like, each other, uh-huh. it's like a switcheroo? Switcheroo, the switcheroo, yeah. Yeah, so the switcheroo happens to where I think the points switch or something. Well, yeah, because if, if the balls hit each other, like, if they hit each other in midair, whoever punches the other player first... That's right. It's all of the players, other players' points plus one. That's right. Which, again, so, this game, everybody will point out this game makes no fucking sense, but, like, it just seems like that, per- Mimi must have put in that particular rule because she knows she's tougher than her brother and that she can off, that she'll most likely punch first. Yeah. <laughs> and harder. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, he does grow up backbone uh right after kind of the nightmare scene we talked about that was really funny with pg is he finally takes like his advice it does in fact steal the gym but at the worst time when pandora has finally caught the whip of pg and is at like their house and everything and he goes kind of with um with his mom and pandora it was like oh luke why because the templars don't seem great no, like, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit as we mo- kind of move down our character list, is that, like, there's really no, what I would call, good guys in this film. Like, you have your protagonist of, of Psycho Gorman, but, like, he's an evil alien warlord, and then, like, his oppressors are, like, also evil alien warlords, but re- with religion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so, because they, because it's like, so because they, they talk about their holy mission all the time, so it's like, I mean, I guess the Templars would be more evil in this case because they're evil with religious undertones and overtones. Just, you know, religion. But, like, yeah. uh, nobody makes me feel particularly great about this conflict. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess, we're, well, like, with that, we'll move on to, like, the dad who's Greg. And it's like, oh my god, where's fucking dad? Yeah, because, like, the first time we watched this, like, you know, the first scene with Greg where he kind of just refuses to bear it, like, fill up the hole, it's like, okay, that's kind of shitty. And then every other scene with Greg, he just gets progressively shittier as the film goes on. Yeah, it, it definitely plays on that sitcom thing of, like, fumbling and well-meaning. It's like, no, he's a lazy asshole who doesn't actually do work. Like, he cooked chicken, quote-unquote, and, uh, that was kind of the funniest thing, because it's, like, the chick, like, everyone's commenting the chicken stuff, and he's like, well, that's what happens when you microwave it, and everything, and, uh, I, I love at the end of that dinner scene, it's like, at least she, she touched my chicken, and that's all that matters, and, um, Susan goes, no, she didn't, <laughs> and they pants the chicken, and then it's like, God, why would you microwave, like, chicken to cook, and then you find out, like, he put a whole, like, rotisserie chicken from the supermarket into the microwave without a cover. Because, like, when you hear Susan screaming, uh, I think it was right when I think Alistair turned into a brain. and you haven't seen what happened yet. Mm-hmm. So Susan's screaming, cause, and you think she's looking outside, and no, she's looking at the mess in the fucking microwave Greg left because he did that. Yeah, and, like, she calls him on it, and he's just like, I cooked my family a meal. You're welcome. Yeah. I feel like the most unhinged line, well, there's two extremely unhinged lines from Greg in this movie. 
One is the part when she call when Susan calls him lazy, and he's like, "How dare you? You know I hate my that word. Like my, my parents called me that. My teachers called me that. Like, yeah, you know, she you know he's 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 doing the whole thing where he's trying to make himself out to be a victim where nobody understands him, but it's kind of clear that he's been the problem his entire life. Yeah. Uh, and then the second most unhinged line. No, it's the most unhinged, but it's the one that comes later in the film. Is when he talks about, like, uh, he's talking to Mimi about trusting that PG's gonna do the right thing. And, uh, quote, quote, right thing. But, like, so he's talking to Mimi and he tells her this story about, like, the time he was playing. Uh, uh, he was a kid and he was playing in the park with his friends. And this guy in a creepy van comes up to him and is asked if he wants to go in his van to go see some baseball cards. And he goes, I did go in the creepy van, and he had so many great baseball cards. I had a great afternoon. So, you know, sometimes you should put your trust in a creepy stranger. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I'm just reminded of when, like, Susan, she she gets, like, Pandora takes her, her uh, paladin powers away, and she's kind of, like, covered in goo, and Greg, like, catches her. And, you know, she's, like, days covered in goo and everything. And he's like, oh, Susan. And, you know, she smiles up at him and he goes, I think we gotta go to the hospital. Because <laughs> I think my arm's broken. <laughs> and his arm actually was broken. I do love that he does almost pass out from the blood loss of having a compound fracture, though, at the end. I'm like, oh, oh, no, we gotta take your dad to the hospital. Yeah. I also loved, kind of, to top this off, like, after the lazy scene, he mentions having a B.A. in English. Oh. Oh, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and it's like, okay, so we're on Susan X, and we're like, why did you marry Greg? Yeah, clearly, like, she can do so much better than Greg. And, like, uh, Sid was the one who pointed this out, and I gotta catch up on the series, because I only got, like, halfway through, but, like, she would absolutely get along with Allison from Kevin Can Go Fuck Himself. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. they're just both very put-upon sitcom wives who are kind of at their wit's end with their shitty husbands. Yeah. And, like, Greg definitely comes off of how, like, a sitcom dad would come off. And that just made me think of, like, Kevin Can Go Fuck Himself, where they actually play with that premise. Right. And, like, she really, she's the one who really does everything around the house. Like, you know, she does all the cooking, the cleaning. Like, she's the one who's taking care of the kids, and, like, and, and Greg will be come to her and just be like, oh, you know, my my hand is hurt, so you gotta pick up extra shifts at work in order to, like, make sure that we get enough money coming in, because I'm not gonna go into work. Yeah. Which I'm like, what does Greg even do? Yeah, like- He's that lazy. Like, does he trade stocks? Right? He's one of those Bitcoin dads. Yeah, I'm thinking, it's like, he's gotta be a Bitcoin dad. He probably put the entire life savings in the NFTs. Oh. And, like, Susan is just, like, angry. She's like, this will be it. This will be the time I kill him. <laughs> yes. And she, like, and it, it looks like, like, she, like, because he hurt his hand, quote, unquote, because he had to, like, fill the hole, which is a deep hole that, uh, that Luke built, like, dug for himself. And he was like, oh, I'm hurt. And he's not really hurt. No. Uh, and it's, like, it's, a, it's it ended up being Susan, so I'm, like, I have a feeling she does, like, all, like, the handiwork around the house, too. Right. So, like, yeah, I, so I don't really blame her for, you know, deciding that she's just gonna be, uh, turning herself into a Templar. Yeah. And, like, I think she nearly does kill Greg as a Templar! Because <laughs> she's just so sick of his shit! 
Yeah, it's like, you you are the worst. Sorry, Greg. And, uh, yeah, uh, the only reason why she got turned back into human was uh, Pandora tried to kill her kids. And, you know, Greg sucks, but she loves the children that she got from Greg. So, yeah, she was not going to let anything happen to them. And, you know, that ends with her kind of being covered in goo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which which brings us to our last character, our last kind of character in the piece, which is Pandora, who is, uh, she's basically a cab all the way, uh, overzealous paladin. Yeah, she's just, she's, like, she's obsessed with her holy mission of taking down, like, Psycho Goreman and kind of just will do anything to do it. And, like, it, her establishing scene it kind of just puts her, like, explains her great of just, like, yeah, she comes in, like, she looks like a robot angel, like, first of all. So, you know, religious overtones. And she, yeah. like, she's talking about her mission. And so, like, she figures out that she's going to have to disguise herself as a human to go to Earth and find him. So they just sort of, like, abs- like they kidnap this random human from Earth. And she's like, come over here, child. Don't be afraid. And she, like, puts, like, this woman in this cube that basically crushes her to death. It's not only that, it's like a blood cube, like cubes pulsating and everything. Yeah, so it's like, I don't even, so I don't even know if this woman's still alive, but like, you know, Pandora takes her form and smears her blood all over her, like, robot face. So, yeah. like, ta- you know, talking about her holy mission, it's like, okay, it's kind of And then, like, like the, the, the face starts melting because it's, she's transforming, it's just like, ah. It's like everything's terrible. I hate it. Um, yeah, the ca- the councils around her just in fear. It's like, yeah, she is kind of like, yeah. She, obviously, like she tells you who she is in that first scene that she is a uh, crazy religious bitch. <laughs> yeah, and she is, and, then, and she's obsessed with taking down Psycho Goreman because she thought she took care of it like hundreds and thousands of years ago. Uh, God, that police station bit with her was just great. One, okay, the entire scene, one, is just, like, the comedy of this movie in general of just, like, you know, they just had, like, the one guy get turned into essentially bio-cop. Right. We'll get at the, the little bit, and, you know, his partner, uh, you know, Psycho Gorman was, like, made this man into, like, a horrible-looking monster zombie thing, and the partner of this cop is, like, crying, and, like, around, like, telling the story, all while the cop that got turned into a zombie, like, his birthday party's going on at the office. Right. And then, like, Pandora comes in, and she talks about, like, what, you know, what's going on, and the guy at the front desk is like, oh, no, nothing's happened like that, and someone just goes, what do you mean? Like, this guy's been talking about it all afternoon, and he's like, I wasn't listening. But then she goes over to this cop, just lays her hand on his on his head, and like combs through his brain. And I think she kills him. I think that's the implication. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Or at least like leave him very like psychically scarred from it. Yeah, because it's like, well, what else do you expect? Like, it's been a big day for them. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, this Pandora, she's just basically the antagonist of this and the final fight with, with you with Psycho Gorman. So uh, that leaves us with our honorable mentions. We mentioned Alistair uh, real briefly with Luke and Mimi. He's really Luke's friend. You know, they play video games. They're just like preteen to young teen boys. 
And Mimi's got the hugest crush on him, and he doesn't really reciprocate and finds her actually crazy. Right. Um, and then gets turned into a brain because, you know, he upsets Mimi, basically. Yeah, and, like, the the brain bits are hilarious because he's just like, am I ever going to be normal again? And, me- and Mimi's just sort of like, like, who cares? Because <laughs> she still- No, who cares? She still has a crush on him, even when, like, he's just a big brain monster, and he never turns back into a human. It's great. <laughs> It's great, like the final scene with the parents. Oh, that still kills me, honestly. Because right. it's just like the dad's like, I, I'm so disappointed <laughs> that that my son got turned to a brain. I, I don't know. Like he, you can obviously tell his dad's pained, right? Um, and uh, then we have the Paladins of Sidian, which are um PG's sort of like central group of cohorts. That yeah. all turn on him, and then he, like, kills, like, one by one. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, pretty great. Uh, it sounds like, again, like, the comic's gonna go over them pretty soon, but even, like, even then, their interests are great, but they're, they're just, like, you see them once, and that's it in the movie. Yeah, and, um, cause, what, you have, you have, uh, Witchmaster, uh, Cassius 3000, <laughs> which, in PG's defense, Cassius 3000 does look like an asshole. <laughs> he does. Um, oh my god, he looks like the biggest asshole. Yeah, and then what are the other names? Because like they have some pretty hilarious names. Mm-hmm. Like I-, I love the one that's just a like a giant bucket of body parts that shoots blood out of its arms. Oh yeah, let me go. Um, Let's see. I think that is um, Death Trapper, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think that's Death Trapper. So, uh, yeah, we have Dark Scream who. It's it's perfect that he's named that because he's basically the star scream of the group. Yeah, Death Trapper, Cassius three thousand, uh, Witchmaster, and Queen Obelisk. Yeah, doesn't like um, Dark Scream get like have the Warrior's death? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, which happens to Pandora later in the film, but you only really see it happening to uh, to Dark Scream, which <laughs> it's just like- it's a whole thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, this is gonna we have to, we're gonna have to mention this like twice in a row. <laughs> this um, but like it, I just well the, when you first see it, it's because like they're at a diner and like he just like unhinges his jaw a little bit to just eat like the plate and hamburger and fries. Mm-hmm. And Mimi's like, Oh, that's fucking cool. And, you know, he talks about how he doesn't need to eat for subsidence and it's just a pleasure thing, and he talks about a warrior's death is to be eaten in battle. Q2, <laughs> the end of the fight with the Paladins of Obsidian, and he goes to Dark Screen, it's like, you fought well and you are no warrior's death. And he's like, no, not that. <laughs> and, um, so he basically, it's just ritualistic, like, eating, where he just will eat the body whole and then spit the blood out. So, like, I guess yeah. you could call it ritualistic vor. I don't know. Ritualistic hard vor. Yeah, like <laughs> it's because like he eats them alive and ever like uh, oh god the scene with the kids like watching it and Mimi's like yeah and Luke's like Ugh. yeah he's like you'll never like Fiji's like I'm sorry you had to see that you'll never forget the horrors of this day and Mimi's like cool but like later in the yeah. film when it happens to Pandora like Mimi and Luke are just like nope nope and they're running their parents away so they don't have to see it. <laughs> What's what's happening? Like, like you don't want to. Nope, you don't want to see this. Nope. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um. But yeah, and then there's the Templar Council. Again, it sounds like the comic's gonna go into them, but you see them a bit more. Uh, but like 
they all they're all neat, but all don't kind of have a thing to kind of go into detail about. Yeah, we just know that they're, like, a council of the Templars that are kind of the ones that are watching everything that's happening on Earth. Um, Yeah. They have the last stinger scene of the movie, though, which is fucking hilarious. Well, one, I like the fact that they all do have, like, we we mentioned this earlier, but I do like the fact that they all have, like, a distinct identity. Like, when you see them, they don't look like the same alien over and over again. But, like, I do love the fact that, like, that last scene of, like, well, there's one way out. <laughs> just puts the gun on the table. Who's gonna go first? <laughs> to just kill themselves? I was like, well, you know, given PG, like, his whole, war- you know, eating people if they fought him in battle well, and just finding other, in- like, creative ways to kill people like he did in the first scene of the movie. Like, no, he was my masterpiece. Yes. We're just keeping that one guy alive. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, oh, my God. So, yeah, I'm like, no, I can understand just being like, well, I'm just going to kill myself because that's the simplest way to go in this situation. Yeah. Oh. Uh, or what happened to Biocop, which we decided to, to mention just because of like, there sounds like there's like another movie dealing with a character like this. Yeah, because so Biocop's whole thing is that he's just, he's the cop that, like, I think his name was Vince, that gets changed into this, like, monster by PG, and he essentially goes insane, and, like, all he's trying, his gun is fused to his hand, so what all he's trying to do is, like, shoot himself, and he can't do it. (laughs) It is... (laughs) It it is great. (laughs) It's like, oh. Eventually, I think Psycho Gorman kills him with the Witchmaster's staff. Yeah, I think he, doesn't he say, like, thank you as he dies? Yes! <laughs> no, I think my favorite part, though, is when he's like, Mimi's like, write me Valentine's, and he just writes on this pink piece of paper that's shaped like a heart and blood, please kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I like. Which I'm wondering <laughs> if it was, like, from his own flesh. Oh, God. I don't think the paper itself, because Mimi mentioned something about, like, it being a waste of good paper. Oh, okay. So I, I I don't I don't think that was the exact line, but she does kind of mention it. She's just like, like, oh, I said like beautiful messages. This is just such a waste. Yeah. So it sounds like she did have paper and asked people to write her valentines, and it did not go the way she intended. Yes. So wait, odds and ends. Oh hey, we have another trick or treater. Oh nice. Trick or treat. Give us all of your candy. <laughs> Let us relieve you of your candy bars. We are here to talk about candy bars and also movies. Oh hey. Ashley, it's Ryan and Quincy from Rank and Vile. Oh, hey, guys. Oh, oh, what's your costumes, by the way? Uh, I am Warwick, uh, which is Harlan Williams' character from the Disney movie Spooky Buddies, uh, complete with this stuffed owl, and I've shaved my facial hair into this uh, menacing goatee. Yeah, and uh, as part of a couple's costume, uh, I am uh, coming as the uh, the Halloween hound, uh, but like a really terrible anthropomorphic uh, version of the Halloween hound, which is apparently is my persona now. And uh, I am Dog Satan uh, from Disney's uh, film Spooky Buddies, and I am summoned by sacrificing puppy souls. So if you have any eyeballs, we would be happy to yeah, also eyeballs, take them off your hands. Um, yeah, in a in a Halloween uh, setting. So yeah, so this is our this is our uh, couple's uh, costume for this. Well, it's fantastic, and also we don't have any dogs here, so we yeah. can't really give out puppy souls. Yeah, we just have cats. Uh, I you know I the thing is, if you will let me actually hold and pet your cat, this is good because I haven't 
uh, pet a cat since the pandemic started. And I think when, once I actually am able to interact with a cat again, I'm just going to start crying because I'll be so happy. No, I, I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, now that y'all are here, uh, so we're kind of in the middle of uh, watching psych- or talking about Psycho Goreman, uh, which I think you guys have some experience with. A yeah, bit, we love yeah. Psycho Goreman. Right? Yeah, so good. good. So good. Yeah, this is uh, Quincy. We, um, we, you, you suggested Psycho Gorman because you realized that this was like, you know, not even tangentially, just like really tied into Tokusatsu and like Sentai stuff. Only it's that. But what if Tom Savini? No, not even Tom Savini. What if Screaming Mad George did all of the effects? Yeah, it's also very much tied into the. Uh, what I call the millennial child experience, which is just batshit crazy TV with no oversight. So it's got like very um, Princess Iria anime mixed with uh, that one scene from Akira where all the bodies explode mixed with like Power Rangers and He-Man. For sure. This is also that's a really good point that like back in the day, you know, you would have a property like Rambo or the Toxic Avenger or, you know, Police Academy. And for whatever reason, in the 1980s and early 90s, everybody was like, uh, you know, I, I think it was cocaine where they were just like, yeah. what if we made this into a children's TV series? And for whatever reason, you'd get like RoboCop, the animated series. Re- and yeah. Psycho, Psycho Gorman is very that, I feel. Yeah, I think we, we talked about it earlier about how like Psycho Gorman definitely felt like uh, you know, I just remember reading a review from I- IGN be like, this isn't for kids. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of is. It's it's like fairly <laughs> cursing in it, but very violent. And um, this reminds me of like what a parent might put on if like, they, they like, I think Sam talked about it, how like her mom was like, oh, hey, like you understand this isn't real. So I'm going to let you watch, you know, this. Or Yeah, I think it was Scream. Yeah. Yeah. And or... <laughs> Uh, incidentally, if you're trying to sneak behind your parents back and watch this, but it, it's it's definitely got that that kind of you know kids feel um, kind of pushing that PG rating almost sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean that's also that's also the thing is you know I don't I don't have any kids, but I I found myself wondering like okay, so if I had a small child, uh, would I let them watch Psycho Gorman? And I'm like on one level. For God's sake, no. But then I'm also like, I don't know, maybe I'd like leave it out. And if they want to watch it on their own time without me feeling directly guilty about the fact that they're watching Psycho Gorman, like that might be a fine childhood experience. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like especially like if you if you know your child, it would probably work for like maybe like an older kid, like especially like, you know, getting nine to like, I don't know, 12 or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think like 12 or 13. Um, I know that my eight-year-old, uh, my eight-year-old is a saint because he puts up with all my ghoul shit. I, I leave <laughs> Halloween decorations up uh, year-round, and he absolutely hates it Aww. and just kind of barely copes. But uh, he would not like it. But maybe if he was like two or three years older and a little bit more ghoulish, he would he would yeah. tolerate it. Oh, yeah. It, it, it makes me think of um, one of my favorite uh, replies to a thing ever was, I remember um, this was a few years ago and we did Gremlins 2 on uh, Rankin Vile. And, you know, this is a movie that, you know, features, for whatever reason, like, foot stimulation of genitals under, a, a, like, in a dining setting between adults and a weird lady gremlin and 
all manner of horrors. And at the time I was like, who is the audience for this? And somebody re- replied with like kids who aren't cowards. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the, I think that's the audience for Psycho Gorman is like, you know, kids who are maybe okay with like decapitations and blood spurting. And that's kind of what floors me about the whole movie is the kids, the child actors in this movie are, um, braver than any u.s marine they're not <laughs> fucking around right no especially the actress playing mimi she is like yeah oh, oh, gosh, she's my so hero good. that yeah. kid is my hero uh, honestly mimi like one of my favorite things is that you never really get to see a young girl getting to play this kind of a character in a movie who's just like this like power hungry sadist <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's just fantastic. Like, there's the bit at the beginning of it where, you know, she's playing uh, Crazy Ball with her older brother, and the stakes of the thing are, like, all right, whoever loses gets buried alive. And he's like, yeah, that sounds fair. And she is, like, full-on prepared to bury him alive before they get interrupted <laughs> by finding an alien. Yes. It's just fantastic. I also love that uh, Luke chooses, like, they have their, their war paint on, and Luke just has kitty whiskers. That's just <laughs> the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's me. Luke is me. Yes. Um, I, the, the thing is also, like, I, uh, Quincy, one of the things that we were, you know, really into about Psycho Gorman was the music, which, like, this is definitely... Now, and, and the thing is, we, you know, uh, you know, we're in good company here for this conversation. Uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers OG theme, I think we can all agree, it's a total bop. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes. It rips. It rips. It really Especially. does. And I feel like in a, a Sentai slash, like, Tokusatsu setting... You gotta bring the thunder with the soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. Like, if you don't do that, you know, it's just not gonna work. Like, yeah, nobody wants Shugei's th- Tokusatsu, you know? Yeah, oh god, <laughs> right? No. Oh god. <laughs> I think that would, might work for, like, something that, like, Inoue, the person who directed the Hikaider movie in Japan, I think he could probably pull that off. But that's because he's just weird mm. and kind of horny. Yeah, and, like, Hokkaider is already kind of weird to begin with, so I feel like you could do that soundtrack, but, like, you know, it also has, like, imagery of, like, burning flowers and, like... (laughs) (laughs) That movie's movie's weird. Yeah, Yeah. oh, gosh. Which I feel like that was an influence on this, too. Yeah. But that's a topic for a little later, I guess. But I just remember the beginning bit of it where, like, the... When they had, like, the squirrel and everything, the music sounded like from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Like, kind of this mystical thing. And then when they cut to them playing Crazy Ball, and right when the game started off, you hear kind of the similar rhythm of the Mighty Morphin theme. Like, the the guitar's just shredding it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that specific, like, riff that... And it's just... Yeah, 100%. It kind of makes me think of, I'm actually really surprised that the band Power Glove had nothing to do with Psycho Gorman. Um, yeah, oh, Blitz wow. Berlin is the band, and um, the drummer is beating the mother-loving shit out of those <laughs> oh, drums yeah. to have the big, like, boom. It's like a weird uh, power rock. If Hans Zimmer tried to do power rock, that's kind of what the soundtrack sounds like in a lot of the po- a lot of places. It's this, oh, like, yeah. very, very epic um sweeping score for for a movie that isn't using a full orchestra uh but it's it's trying to sound like huge and it does a pretty good job at that too yeah completely well and this is even i mean you know i there's one big thing that i want to talk about with this thing which is that like the big centerpiece song of the film where now uh, for those of uh your listeners who may not have seen psycho gorman uh, it surrounds a uh, a mass murdering intergalactic um, uh, sort of 
uh, death machine uh, that they end up calling Psycho Gorman, and he gets, uh, because uh, the tiny uh, sadist Mimi, who is just the greatest, um, <laughs> gets a hold of like a gem that's like, all right, now you have to do whatever I tell you. And the thing that she tells him that he has to do, among other things, is that he has to play drums in her band with her and her brother, which is just great because you get to see a guy in a huge monster suit playing drums. Um, the original song, uh, Frig Off, I hate with my whole heart. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 I dislike this song immensely because I feel like, listen to me, you've got this kid playing this role. Let Mimi curse. Yes. That's, <laughs> yes. Let Mimi say that's fuck. how I feel. Yeah. Let Mimi, yeah. Let Mimi say fuck. That's my, my campaign platform. Cause it's a, you know, the lyrics are like frig off, frig you. I'm the heckin' best. And it's like, I, you cowards. Like let, I mean, in a movie where Mimi, is like praying to Jesus and then mid prayer yells like, Hey, what am I praying to you for? I have a new God now. And his name is psycho Gorman. You better watch your back asshole. And like breaks the crucifix over her knee. Like what, what, cursing was where we drew the line. <laughs> yeah. It's like also the fact that she was praying to God, was praying to Jesus to know what pair of sunglasses to wear to the final battle. Yes. <laughs> it is it is very important. Kind of, yes. kind of going back to that kids thing, I wonder if it if it had to do with uh, how weird like ratings are in America. Cause it's like mm. certain certain things will just like get a PG rating and you know, oh you can't have swearing, but you can have all the buckets of gore you want. Just no no swearing. Oh yeah. Wait, I also are- feel it really important to point out that the director Stephen Kostansky worked on Father's Day, which is about a um Oh geez. I'm, I'm not gonna say what that movie's about. Don't watch it. <laughs> oh, <God. It's> <laughs> Father's Day is a lot. Oh no. It's one of our most hated movies on our podcast. Oh, it's no. down at the very bottom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think we rated it below Necromantic, the movie about necrophilia. Um, oh my! It's yeah. yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Um, wait, sorry, Quincy. I'm, so, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. You were saying something about Father's Day. Yeah. So this guy makes Father's Day, but then he's got to draw the line at like not dropping the f bomb, <laughs> which is wild to me. Mm-hmm. But I think it probably has to do. I think you're right. It has to do with the quota. I think you only get one fuck in a PG thirteen. So the chorus of the song is frig is you know frig off. So I think that's the issue. Yeah. There. This actually. Um. Are 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 y'all familiar with the uh, the Brian Fuller um blood story about Hannibal? I am not. I'm actually person. not. Oh, yeah. It's uh. So when uh, NBC Hannibal was still on, um, there was one uh one of the the killers of the week in season one was the angel maker who would like flay the skin off of people's backs and like pose them naked in front of their beds, and it was a whole thing. Um, and when he sent the dailies to NBC, uh, you know, with naked people in the frame, NBC sent it back, and they were like, "You can't show butt cracks on American TV." And Brian Fuller sent back like jokingly like would it be okay if i filled the butt cracks with blood and they were like that would be great that's that would be fantastic (laughs) (laughs) which is just like american sensibilities in a nutshell like no butt cracks unless you fill those butt cracks with gore and we can't see the crack yes yeah i mean i did not know that story but everything there completely tracks yes hearing from like every now and then i think what uh, animators will talk about just stuff they'll get back on their kid shows like no oh yeah guns. like yeah like i remember alex hirsch saying that they couldn't allude that the teenagers in gravity falls were playing spin the bottle at the summerine party 
And so they literally wrote a joke on the flyer when they when they got turned down for that that said not standards and practices approved. Man, I feel like if you're Alex Hirsch, you've I'm the fact that he doesn't chain smoke and drink constantly after having to work uh, side by side with Disney on his series. Like I feel like that guy's been in, he's been in the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And like I feel like Psycho Goreman in that regard is kind has a very similar vibe to Gravity Falls and just that terms of like completely off the fucking wall like stuff you could show an older child or younger child depending on how weird your kid is. Well, that and Mabel Pines <laughs> and Mimi, I feel like there's a substantial overlap there. Like maybe, you know, Mimi is what Mabel eventually turns into if left unsupervised. Right. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Um Mimi is Mabel without super uh, without oversight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely. And I mean like in the music in this, I mean it is very like because you know, Gravity Falls Alex Hirsch is like the world's biggest Simpsons fan, and you can mm-hmm. see a lot of that in Gravity Falls where I feel like with Psycho Gorman you know, this is somebody, this is made by somebody who, like, you know, has a huge knowledge of, like, Sentai and Tokusatsu and, like, pop culture stuff in a way that, like, you couldn't... Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, be mean about a movie that I don't care for very much, which is uh, Kung Fury. Um, because that movie, to me, is like, I don't know, there's like a, dis- it's like a, a pastiche about 80s action movies, and it has this, like, palpable disdain for it. And... I feel like Psycho Gorman genuinely does love all of the stuff that it's riffing on. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I was gonna say, that was my big, another... big, big issue with Kung Fury, too. It was kind of like, just, like, you, you see the stills for it, and then you actually watch, and you're like, wow, you guys just done, like, 80s action. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's very much, we're laughing at you, not with you. <laughs> no, yeah, like, totally. Like, I, the thing with Kung Fury also is that it's it, it doesn't know how to maintain, okay, and this is me uh, nitpicking because I'm a salty little bitch, but uh, a thing that Kung Fury does that drives me crazy that Psycho Gorman does not do is that it can't settle on an aesthetic and a sensibility where it's meant to be like, oh, we're doing like straight to VHS sort of Jean-Claude Van Damme action stuff, but then also impeccable CGI of a dinosaur cop and the effects are all incredible, which sort of lets you know, like, we could make something good if we wanted to, but we're just going to make fun of action films. And it there's like this huge clash between those sensibilities for me, where with Psycho Gorman, um, first of all, the practical effects fuck they yes. are so good oh, oh god right. oh my god like the 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 big fight scene between psycho gorman and his like former crew um you could just tell that the, the person making those effects is just having a ball and it it comes across like in a huge way in the movie oh yeah i think another thing that's really um i appreciate is uh we're in a synthwave renaissance right now everyone mm. is going back to i mean we're in a time period where there's a vhs filter on snapchat so like we're we're in the thick of this like 80s and 90s nostalgia uh and what i appreciate is the film score doesn't rely very heavily on synthesizers it's mostly mm-hmm. guitar and drums yeah oh, yeah which, again, kind of going back to that kind of the Power Rangers vibe of, like, which I, I guess that was not just, like, Ron, you know, kind of that was kind of the vibe that Ron Wasserman was going for a lot around that time period, and Chucky Levy by extension. Mm-hmm. That kind of, there is a little bit of synth, but, like, it's still very rock-based. Yeah, it's, it's not, um, 
it's I think it shows real restraint. It's like again, if we're going back to the Kung Fury analogy, mm-hmm. Kung Fury shows zero restraint. It's let's throw everything we can into fifteen minutes of film and mm-hmm. see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Whereas Psycho Gorman is like actually being thoughtful and choosing all of these aesthetics for a very specific purpose. I mean, the fact that the council of uh Gygax has all of these different aliens that surely have these backstories and all of these very small things like the brain in the jar guy like that oh, guy yeah. has probably has a name and a backstory <laughs> that the crew came up with and that matters so much to me <laughs> compared to just eh let's just throw you know uh synth- 80s bang on the synthesizer that's good. It's like actually crafted and thoughtfully put together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For real. That's a fucking great point. Like there's something ineffable about something made by people who actually like the thing they're making. Um, and especially with the, the, the creatures in this, um, I love so much that I, I don't know. First of all, the, uh, naming uh, a monster Cassius 3000 and having him <laughs> look like a Roman statue is the funniest fucking thing. Um, but like musically, yeah, like I feel like, uh, all of, the music that they use in this thing, it never completely feels like uh, a parody of the thing. It feels like the actual thing, which is pretty essential, I think. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like if it was just trying to actively parody, like, you know, the Power Rangers score or, you know, any kind of those, like, 90s, like, rubber suit, like, action TV series, like, I, I-, I would be way less into it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And it also has the the strength of its convictions to have uh, a a young child get turned into a crawling brain who just like <laughs> constantly begs to be killed and it's just, I I love that that didn't need to happen. I I think it was just the filmmakers going like that would be really funny and that's what we're doing now. Between that and first of all, you know, Acab, uh there's a cop character in Psycho Gorman that um, gets a gun fused to his hand and is like he gets mutated and has to follow Psycho Gorman around and he's just like constantly trying to die and can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, now the thing is, I'm into I, I I'm not totally against mean spirited uh, movies and mean spirited things like um, the movie Wishmaster to me is extremely mean spirited but also really fun. Um, mm-hmm. There's a kind of mean spiritedness to Psycho Gorman that never totally actually thumbs the viewer in the eye i feel like there's always a bit of a like reprieve or a bit of a wink it never goes too far yeah yeah it's brutal but it's not unrelenting the the moral of it at the end is like uh you know psycho gorman knows learns learns about love and family and then he goes and does to like destroys things (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's yeah the lesson is be yourself and if being yourself means being uh an unrelenting murder machine who wants to kill worlds just follow your star man just go through that (laughs) portal destroy destroy san francisco just live your truth yeah he's just totally gonna girl boss his way through it I mean, he does like hunky boys, which, yes. okay, specifically, I love that that was the thing that my partner Sarah, like, that was the thing that got them to agree to watch Psycho Gorman was the, I do not like hunky boys, or do I? Where it's just like, <laughs> ah, yes, this is a movie that was made specifically for me. Fantastic. <laughs> and it gets mad when his hunky boys get slashed. Not my oh, hunky yeah. boys! <laughs> you, don't mess with the hun- you don't mess with the hunky boys. You don't. No. Um, oh. n- now, I-, I did want to ask y'all, um, because I think that uh, uh, literally everybody here has a way stronger handle on Sentai and Toku than I do. Mm-hmm. Like, 
were there references in this to Toku stuff that like you notice as it was happening or like like a specific property that you were like, oh, this is their, you know, common writer thing or uh, was, was that in the mix? Um, I did remember like Psycho, like what he was it what he was like sealed in or like the gym was in. It definitely had that thing of like Rita's stir. Yeah, oh, and yeah. like the, the kind of the opening scrawl. I mean, I know that was fairly common for like kind of eighties and early nineties like fantasy action films of like having the opening scrawl just kind of like um, tell you what the you know the backstory of the film. Mm-hmm. But like that happens with the first Power Rangers movie too. Yeah. It's like where it explains how Ivan Ooze was sealed away by Zordon and his like. Um, not, not the Power Rangers of his time, but, like, basically a bunch of other allies from across the universe, like, got together, sealed Ivan Ooze away on Earth, and then, you know, jump into everybody skydiving out of a plane. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Which, I, I, I don't mind telling you, Ivan Ooze scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid. Like, for whatever fucking reason, he, he was the scariest thing in the world to me, and I have no idea why. Oh man, my no. my dad. After watching that movie, my dad would do leap to to my doom so often in that deadpan zombie voice to get me <laughs> riled up. <laughs> right, excellent. And yeah, I could totally see that about you know as a kid. Like I remember seeing briefly seeing Ivan Ooze as a kid because I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers as a kid. So like, but I remember briefly seeing Ivan Ooze. When, like, it was playing at, like, my daycare, like, the movie was playing at my daycare or something. And I remember being, like, oh, my God, that guy looks freaky as fuck. But then you watch it when you're, like, 30, and it's, like, oh, my God. Like, the I can't remember the name of the actor. I remember that he played um, Belloc in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, uh, he's having the fucking time of his life. <laughs> like, <laughs> he it. is making a fine meal out of that scenery. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And honestly, like, especially uh, the, the monsters in Psycho Gorman, like, so many, especially the, the sort of throwback goons, like, having a, a monster who's literally just an, enor- an, an enormous box full of corpses and he just shoots corpse juice at you, um, <laughs> it really does feel like a death metal version of, like, Power Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Season 1 villains, where it's oh, like, yeah. and here's a pig in a Centurion helmet, and you gotta deal with that, so he's here, like. Yeah. Oh yeah, the entire uh, Paladins Obsidian just feel like season one, like Power Rangers villains. Um, I we we did mention uh, Hakaider with um, Pandora specifically. Yeah, like um, for some reason, like Pandora of the Templars gave me um, m- like vibes of Michael from the Hakaider movie. It was kind of like this angelic being who. Uh, Really was about- it's also a mass murdering fuckhead. Yeah, and like <laughs> nice, and like Hakaider has to defeat him, sort of thing, and um, yeah, uh, like that kind of like white and red vibes. Um, I feel like Guyver definitely was an influence in some way to a lot of Psycho mm-hmm. Gorman stuff. Oh, for sure. Um, Guyver um, Two Dark Hero is. Like, I, that's just, like, what if we did Sentai but body horror levels of, like, oh, Jesus, we're, okay, this was either made by a very scary eight-year-old or a really depressed 35-year-old. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I think we, I, I was just gonna mention sorry. Shin, like, Kamen Rider Shin, which is, like, the more body horror Kamen Rider from, like, early Say period, I think. Yeah, that one is, uh, very gross. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I have no idea what you're talking about, uh, and I'm not going to look it up. It's, it's quite, <laughs> it's 
it's, it's if you like body horror, it's good at that. But it's quite like I'm wondering how many kids screamed in that like theater. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's um common writer if. Common Rider's uh, whole body was a suit, and he doesn't get to not be a he. He has to be Common Rider and not a human. It reminds me of a Shitaro Ishinomori comic I saw one time, which is a um, a figure unzipping a Sentai suit, mm-hmm. and just guts and slime are like running out the suit instead of like it being a a real body uh, outstanding underneath. Just fantastic. And that kind of captures uh, Shin Kamen Rider for me. <laughs> I would be remiss to let us not mention that Psycho Goreman is purple. Yes. As is Ivan Ooze. That is, yeah. that is some vibes oh. I definitely got, as well as kind of like, I'd say Ivan Ooze is a bit more campy, but definitely kind of like really over-the-top vibes uh, Psycho right. Goreman was. So really, it's that Psycho Goreman is like if you made a really buff creative wrestler of Ivan Ooze, and you just yeah. had him, it's like, all right, so he's going to be like seven feet tall, and he's just going to be like pile driving everybody to death, where yeah, I yeah. feel like Ivan Ooze would be like a, a like a Toru Yano sort of wrestler, where he'd be <laughs> doing all manner of tricks to try to pull out the win. Like, I, I feel like it's a different vibe. Yeah. Yeah. By my uh, flesh sword. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Great. So the flesh sword, that was actually, I think I just started yelling when mid-fight with um, the the angel character, um, uh, you know, at the end of it, literally just ripping parts off of her and making a sword out of her own, like, flesh and viscera. It's it's just great. It's just the best. Oh, so good. And, like, the best part about that is just that it sort of just becomes background as, like, Mimi and Luke have that heart to heart. Yes. Or like the closest that you're going to have as a heart to heart in this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where I, I love that she never actually apologizes to Luke for genuinely being history's greatest monster to her older brother for the, like <laughs> the preceding hour and a half. But I love that their like moment of solidarity is solemnly reciting the lyrics to Frig Off, uh, <laughs> which is like. Oh, Okay, Psycho Goreman the movie. I guess that's fine. Like, I don't think I would accept an apology from this tiny uh, dictator anyway. So that's all right. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> of course, we have to talk about, like, as we get towards the end of the movie, the fucking rap at the end. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we So uh, Quincy and I are both uh, huge fans of uh, tie-in raps to movies. <laughs> Which are, there's far more than you might realize. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, probably, I, yeah, it's, the Psycho Goreman rap is up there definitely with the uh, Deep Blue Sea LL Cool J rap. I forgot there was one! I didn't even know there was one. <laughs> oh, oh, oh boy. Uh, deepest, bluest, my hat is like a shark's fin. And there's like a whole video for it too, by the way. Um, there's, <laughs> shit, there's a tie-in rap from Maniac Cop 2 that's really great, like... Uh, th- don't forget the Crip Jam, which is the Crip Keepers rap song. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the Fat Boys, Are You Ready for Freddy from Nightmare Part 4. Honestly, this is what and I... let's w- not sleep on the True Blood rap song by uh, Snoop Dogg, <laughs> Oh Sookie Sookie. That's a, that's a great point. And actually, this reminds me, two things, this reminds me of when that WWF, uh, album came out, that, I think it was like WWF Aggression, where it was just like, okay, we brought in, like, Sea Murder to rap about Gangrel the Vampire Wrestler, and it was just outstanding. Um, and also, this is my party platform for horror movies now, is like, can we please have, like, 
I wanted like a tie-in rep for like the Babadook, where you just have like I don't know, uh, Ludacris coming in to tell you about how the Babadook is going to kill your kid. Like, I, I really want to go back to having more tie-in raps. It, it truly is a lost art. <laughs> it really is. Because, like, because my first thought was, um, oh, God. Because, like, I guess because, like, like, because obviously, like, you go to the first layer of, like, you know, you remember Will Smith rapping for, like, Wild Wild West and uh, Men in Black. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the next, le- and I guess you'd also count like MC Hammer on that layer with his Adams Family rap. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I need to tell you about this. This is the most dark-sided thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to uh, Spirit Halloween uh, last week to get a bunch of Halloween decorations because I have a front lawn and have decided to lose my mind and you know go for it. Uh, and for whatever reason, they were playing unlicensed covers of different songs like not even the original so there was like the jimmy hart wcw version of like thriller and then somehow they did the adams family mc hammer rap but off brand and somebody else doing it oh, oh my no. god it, it was real bad it was you really you really want mc hammer doing that folks like you don't right. don't get your don't get your cousin in to rap about the adams family oh my god but, you know, MC Hammer also had a children's cartoon in the 80s. <laughs> he did. He did. If you were any kind of celebrity, you would probably have a Sunday morning cartoon. There's quite possibly just like one, you know, eighth of a helix of MC Hammer in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I'm just yeah. remembering like when you mentioned that, because I'm like, I feel like if it came out at a different time, like... Psycho Gorman probably could have gotten its own, like, Saturday morning cartoon that was just very different. Because I remember the fucking Evolution cartoon. Oh, God, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. That did get a yeah. cartoon. I, I mean, and, like, man, that's... you watch that movie, Why? it is what? definitely <laughs> not, like... No. It is definitely... Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm at a loss for words, because Evolution has prominent primate genitalia. Yeah. Like, that's a big plot point in the movie, is primate genitals and then they're like saturday morning cartoon yeah or like the fact that it ends with a you know a giant like mutant alien getting like a head and shoulders enema (laughs) hachi machi and they were like yep kids should watch that yeah it's like it's like uh toxic crusaders being a cartoon that got like toys and shit where it's like okay so the toxic avenger which by any standards no child at any point should ever be watching uh and just yeah them deciding that what if we could maybe make some money off of toys like it's yeah you sort of couldn't picture like there will be there will be blood the animated series or something like they're not going to be doing that now yeah but i just feel like really love is um they've made psycho gorman figures and they've made them in that like retro zero articulation style and they even um had a limited edition like happy meal box oh nice. oh fantastic oh yeah like it, it, my blu-ray came with this giant like not giant but like this little thick packet of like different merchandise you could buy Man. Yeah, that's not a joke you can actually buy all that but that's also like a really nice throwback to yet again the whole 80s 90s vibe of like buying batman forever and getting a pack in of like Hey, you now you have the movie. Don't you want to buy the Jim Carrey Christmas ornament for your tree to remember for years and years to come? Like it's very much the largesse of the late 80s early 90s that all of the stuff we love is a product of. Right. <laughs> like give me like 
Do you remember those like Batman for I think Batman Forever mugs that they did at like McDonald's or something oh, like I that? Give me a so Psycho bad. Gourmet yeah. version of that, you know? Oh yeah, with like the big question mark handle on it, and yeah. To, oh, I had I had all of those fucking things. That was yeah, completely. And I sort of love that this is a movie that you can tell was sort of made for the purpose of like also let's move some fucking merch do you want a psycho gorman beach towel you want a psycho gorman like sun visor come on down and like you know instantly because of how i mean like the movie looks so good visually that immediately you're like okay so when am i getting my stuffed psycho gorman like yes right like no, I was just like, I, I think I was like, man, I would buy an action figure of Pandora, and lo and behold, you can find it. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, now, the other thing about this movie um, that, uh, Quincy, you pointed out, like, the fact that it doesn't go super ham sandwich on the synthesizers. Like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Synthwave, but I also... I feel a, a, a dual sort of love of synthwave and uh, can everybody chill the fuck out on the synthwave on horror movie soundtracks to a certain extent? Because like, I don't know, hearing an actual electric guitar solo and going for the actual, you know, because if this had been made in like 1993, it wouldn't have had synth on the soundtrack. It would have been like wheedly wheedly uh, guitar. And I love that they committed and stuck the landing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very easy. And I'm a huge fan of John Carpenter and John Carpenter soundalikes. Like, I love a movie that has a soundalike in the soundtrack. But it definitely shows you that these folks aren't, you know, they, they're not your just fell off the turnip truck crew. They've been working at this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Well... All right. Like, thank you guys so much for for chatting with us about this movie. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a pleasure. And I gotta say, that's a great Shia LaBeouf costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, just top notch. Th- thank you. Yeah, so- I, thank you, th- thank you, thank you so much for having us on. Like, that's I mean, you know, having having us on to talk about specifically Psycho Gorman. Like, it's it's a perfect synthesis of what like all of us do. So yeah, it's been it's been a huge uh, pleasure coming on. Yeah, I oh, yeah. was very excited to join the rank and vile Ranger Splane uh, uh, Venn diagram, as it were. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the team up. Yeah. All right. Well, um, so you guys, we go ahead and enjoy the party. We got plenty of candy, uh, plenty of cats. So enjoy yourselves. But before you go in, um, where can we find y- y'all on the great big internet of doom? Uh, well, we are permanently and abidingly shitposting on Twitter at Rank and Vile Casts. Um, we got a YouTube channel, which, by the way, shameless tie-in for uh, the t- uh, the horror tie-in wraps. We got a whole uh, whole ass playlist that Quincy made. Uh, Quincy, where else are we on the internet? Uh, you can go to our podcast network's website, FaustianNonsense.com. They have a link to our Discord server, our list of movies that we've ranked, and our podcast feed. Yeah, get at us. All right, excellent. Thank you guys once again. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, stay spooky. So, uh, you know, cuts kind of just move into our verdict, which uh, is this movie fucks. <laughs> it seriously fucks. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so good. I remember hearing this movie through word of mouth by some other like Toku fans, and uh, when the chance came to watch it, I took it, and it's amazing. It's a wonderful little love letter to those kind of like Saturday morning uh, shows we grew up with, like you know. Power Rangers or Hilariously Masked Writer, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all that. Uh, and the gory little things that, like, parents wouldn't want us to watch as a kid either. Like, if you, this, this just seems like the perfect movie you would sneak to watch away from your parents. 
Uh, great humor and uh, wonderful execution of the premise makes it a fun movie at parties. Just see people's reactions and stuff. And I really suggest checking this out. Yeah, I honestly didn't know what to expect from this movie when it was first described to me, especially with a title like Psycho Goreman. But it's honestly a delightful film that's a super funny tribute to the 80s and 90s family entertainment and tokusatsu. It's basically a live-action cartoon. An extremely bloody live-action cartoon, but still a live-action cartoon. Uh, if you like Power Rangers and horror movies, you're probably really gonna like this one. Alright, so that is it for our ooky spooky Halloween special. As always, we'd like to thank Kate Nix uh, for composing the theme song that you hear at the beginning and end of every episode. Uh, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at The Goblin Mother, as well as Patreon under Closet Champion. Uh, you can also find her at katenix.com, where you can find her band camp, her merch, and uh, where she streams. Now, as of this episode, uh, what was once known as the Lullaby Lounge Novelty Hour is no more. The season finale just aired, and uh, it's going to be having a different name in the future. So uh, be sure to be following Kate on her social media to see when that new project is coming down the road. Uh, we also like to thank Joe Hunter for the art uh, that you see every time you download our podcast. Uh, you can find him on Threadless at joehunter.threadless.com, on Instagram at joebloodyhunter. Uh, his Twitter and Patreon is also joe underscore hunter. And you can also find his work on Beast Heart Strikers, which he did with our guest, Land Pitts, on Comixology. And he also had a backup in Radiant Black issue number four, uh, which you can also pick up from your local comic book shop or on Comixology. And then we'd also like to thank Kurt Yoder for editing the podcast as always. You can find him at Great SG Creations on Etsy, as well as Great SG Pixels on Twitter or The Great SG, which is his personal Twitter account. And we'd also like to thank our guest, our good friend and horror aficionado, Sam. Uh, writer Land Pitts, who we just previously mentioned, uh, of writing Beast Heart Strikers and working on the Psycho Gorman comic that should be coming out later this year, early next year, as well as uh, Quincy and Ryan from Rank and Vile. Thank you guys so much for coming to join us this evening. And then, obviously, our wrestler of the podcast for this ooky spooky episode is Avadon from AEW. She's an ooky spooky uh, zombie lady, and I want to see her on my TV more. And then thank you guys so much for joining us for this extra special and spooky episode of Rangers Plane. We hope you had fun with us and that you'll come back tomorrow for our regularly scheduled episode where we are covering Jungle Fury. Uh, it's also our 30th regular episode. Yay! We've made it to 30! We did it! Yes! Otherwise, <laughs> stay safe, don't give away your edibles, and... <laughs> Oh god, what the what the fuck is that? Why is zombie Larigo here? Nobody even remembers Larigo, much less a zombie version of him. Uh-uh. Nope. No. 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 Don't like it. I don't don't support it. I don't I don't I can't sanction it. I don't like it. It's looking at me. It needs to not do that. It's my butter asshole. Coda? Is his ghost dressed like a morphin master? I... That's right. I'm haunting you for chicken and other food. And he's stealing my butter. (laughs) 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 I have defeated you and the butter is mine. Scene weirder. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween! (laughs) Go.
Jesus.